Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good boys and girls, welcome to the Two Footed Podcast. It is Monday the 12th of July. We're brought to you by EPLindex.com in association with our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider that's a virtual privacy network, allows you to go online, change your location, access things like American Netflix, also keeps your data safe. Check out LibertyShield.com and use the code EPLVPN to get 20% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. Right, folks, before we get started, I just want to wish a very happy birthday to my sister, Gemma. It is her 30th birthday today, so happy 30th, Gem. Uh, Enjoy your day. Right. What a weekend. What a mental weekend. Uh, Two finals played. We'll start with the second one played because I think it's going to take up most of the show. England won, Italy won, Italy win, 3-2 on penalties. Heartbreak for England, but they deserve to lose. And that's what it comes down to. They deserve to lose. England went one up through Luke Shaw on two minutes. Lovely move, started by Shaw, plays the ball into Kane. Kane switches it out to Trippier. Kyle Walker makes an overlapping run, draws the fullback, gives Trippier the space. Kane makes a run centrally, draws the other fullback in, leaves Shaw with space at the back post. It's a great cross by Trippier. It's a really good half volley by Shaw. It clips the post and heads into the net. The perfect start. The absolute perfect start. And for 15 to 18 minutes... England threatened to wipe the floor with Italy. England were really good for 15 to 18 minutes. And then something changed. Then they became really defensive, really conservative, really negative. And we witnessed anti-football. We witnessed what English fans and English pundits have accused the Italians of doing for decades. An absolutely appalling display in a final on your own field with a one goal lead to play like that with that cowardice was shameful. Now, not all the England players deserve criticism for that. In fact, not many of the players deserve criticism. I would lay all of that criticism squarely on the shoulders of Gareth Southgate. I thought Trippier had a solid game. Walker played well, Stones played well, Maguire played well, Luke Shaw got his goal, had some trouble with Federico Chies, I think it's fair to say, but he did okay. Rice and, and Phillips in midfield were fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Covered every single blade of grass, tried to force England out, tried to force them forward at times, but some of that England team didn't have any interest in keeping the ball. It was very clear that one of England's tactics were, sorry, was, if you're in risk of losing the ball, just thump it out of play. We saw Maguire do it multiple times. We saw Stones do it. We saw Walker do it. Trippier did it. If England were in a situation where it looked like they might commit a turnover, they just wellied the ball out of play. No interest in trying to be progressive. No interest in trying to string the ball, string passes together. 
from about 18 minutes on, Italy began to dominate the match. Jorginho and Verratti were sensational in midfield. Verratti was on a different level altogether to everybody else on the pitch. England's front three did not play well. Raheem Sterling came into the game quite late, had some decent moments in extra time, but he was poor for large spells. Barring his involvement in the goal and maybe one or, the two, one or two other moments, Harry Kane was shocking. Absolutely shocking. You won't see a big-time player play that badly in a final very often. And Mason Mount... I mean, we know it doesn't suit him to play in a front three. We know that's not his strength. He needs to be deeper. He needs to drive onto the ball. needs to arrive into the play rather than be part of the build-up play. Southgate's negativity cost England massively here. They went in one up at half time, But the tide had turned and Italy were knocking on the door. Chiesa left Luke Shaw up left Jordan Pickford on his knees, having dribbled infield and flashed a left-footed shot just wide. John Stones made a great block from Chiro Immobile. But Italy were knocking on the door. Into the second half, Italy get aggressive. Mancini goes with the... With the early substitutions in the second half. Cristante on for Barella, looking to add more physicality, more presence in midfield, because Rice and Phillips are much bigger human beings than the three who'd started for Italy and were able to kind of outrun them a little bit. Once Cristante came on, he evened that balance and we saw more and more Jorginho and Verratti start to control the game, their little one-twos, Little triangles, ball movement, player movement, letting the ball do the work, resting in that possession. Berardi came on for Immobile, who'd had a stinker. Now, there was a couple of other Italians that could have gone off. How Emerson lasted so long, I don't know. Insigne had an absolute shocker while he played on the left. When Berardi came on, Berardi went right, Insigne went centrally, and Chiesa moved to the left. Chiesa continued to cause all manner of problems. And Italy continued to dominate. And the pressure built, and the pressure built. And then on 67, they got their goal. Corner kick. Cristante at the front post. Ball comes off his shoulder. Pathetic efforts by commentators to claim it was a handball. Clearly off the shoulder. Overlooked in this is John Stones dragging Cialini to the ground. Verratti somehow gets in front of the defender. I think it's Mason Mount at the back post. Gets a header on target. I think Pickford should do better. I think he should scoop that round the post quite easily. He doesn't. He scoops it onto the post. It bounces back into play. And Leonardo Bonucci rushes in to tap home from a yard out. Great awareness from Bonucci to follow the ball. But I think Pickford should do better here. England made a change three minutes later. Bakayo Saka comes on for Kieran Trippier. And England shift from the back five they'd started with to what I think was planned to be a 4-2-3-1, but didn't really become that. A couple of minutes later, Southgate makes a second change. Brings on Jordan Henderson for Declan Rice. And Declan Rice is playing very, very well. Probably the best game Rice has had in an England shirt. Uh, I saw Oliver Holt say that Declan Rice was playing like Franz Beckenbauer. And I think that's accurate. I mean, Beckenbauer is in his mid-70s now. But still, you know, it, it was a good Beckenbauer impression of the modern-day Beckenbauer. In all seriousness, Rice was very, very good. Didn't like this substitution. Now, he was a little bit... He did look a little bit tired. But I thought at the at the time, this wasn't the change to make. This wasn't a positive change. Because if Henderson was fully fit, it would be. Because you'd expect Henderson to be able to drive on through midfield. Henderson's not fully fit. He came on and he looked lost. Couldn't get near the ball. When he did, he gave it away. Very, very poor. Chiesa 
I think should have had a, a, a free kick on the edge of the box. He gets fouled by Walker and Phillips. Walker shoves him. Phillips kicks him. Gets nothing. Italy brought on Bernadeschi for Chiesa, who had gotten hurt in that little clash. And then they brought on Bellotti for Insigne. In added time at the end of the first, second half, Cialini misjudges to bounce the ball. Literally the only mistake he made in the whole game, right on about the halfway line. And Saka gets round him and looks like he's going to head towards goal. And Cialini just horse collars him round by the neck and drags him down. People will say it's cynical and they're right, but it's brilliant. It's absolutely what you want your defender doing in that situation. It is perfect defending. Absolutely perfect. He knows he's at no risk of a red card. It's on the halfway line. It's in no way a goal-scoring opportunity. And again, the commentators can cry all they want. In no way is it a goal-scoring opportunity. It is brilliant, cynical defending from Cialini. Uh, We then had the moron running onto the field with his shirt off. Moron England fans in a bit. Uh, Into extra time, Locatelli comes on from Verratti. Verratti was was spent. He'd been sensational. He'd run the game from about 18 minutes on. He was the best player on the pitch. Calvin Phillips had a half chance on 97, flashed his shot wide. And then we get the introduction of Jack Grealish on 99 minutes. And you think, okay, now surely England will start to play a bit more positively. You know, they might try and win the game now. Comes on for Mason Mount. Mount had been poor. Couldn't get involved in the game at all. But the next chance is for Italy. Walker makes a mess of a tackle out on the right. Ball comes inside. Bernadeschi almost gets on the end of a cross. Pickford does well. Into the second half, Harry Kane gets England's first yellow card of the game. I think Italy had three or four at this point. Um, Then there was the big flash point on 113 minutes. Ball breaks between Jorginho and Grealish. Both of them go full-blooded for the ball. Jorginho gets to the ball and Grealish slides in. Jorginho's on his feet, puts one foot to the ball... Grealish's momentum takes the ball and knocks Jorginho's foot. And it's it looks horrible as he catches Grealish quite high on the thigh. But, it, look, if it had been a red card, I don't think you could really complain. But at the same time, I don't think it's a red card because he plays the ball. He stays on his feet and plays the ball. It's Grealish that knocks him onto the ground. So... I think it is six and one half doesn't do that. I think it's 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 a foul. I think it's a yellow card. I don't think it's a red card. If it had been given a red card, it would have been because it looked bad in a replay in slow motion. But I think in the moment, I don't think it's that bad. Jorginho stays on. Italy make one last change. Florenzi comes on for Emerson. At this point, you know it's going to penalties. So you're looking at the England bench thinking, right, you need to make some changes here. You've got lads out there who can barely... Calvin Phillips couldn't run anymore. He had literally given absolutely everything. England's best player on the day by a mile. Surely he's going to come off. You're you're not going to trust someone who's that exhausted to go and take a penalty. And instead, it's Jordan Henderson who goes off. Now, he'd been largely terrible since coming on. But he's fresh. And surely he's a leader, so he's going to step up, put his hand up and say, I'll take one. And even if he's sixth or seventh, you know. But he didn't look surprised to go off. He didn't look disappointed to go off. And that says a lot. We'll hear more from Roy Keane, what Keane had to say about penalties, but... Henderson didn't seem surprised or upset to be taken off. Marcus Rashford comes on for him. Jaden Sancho comes on for Kyle Walker. We're 120 minutes into the game. The game is over. These two are only being brought on to take penalties. 
Rashford's only involvement in the game is having to do a bit of defensive work because he had to go and stand at right back. Nothing more happens and into penalties we go. Berardi steps up first. Sends Pickford the wrong way. Kane steps up. Brilliant penalty. The only good thing he did after the second minute in this game was that penalty. Brilliantly struck into the side netting. Keeper has no chance. Andrea Bellotti steps up. Now, normally when Bellotti takes a penalty, he absolutely wellies it. Low and hard. And even if the keeper gets a hand to it, often there's just too much pace, too much power, and it takes the ball through his hands. He normally goes to the keeper's right. This time, he tried to side-foot it to the keeper's left. Pickford makes the save. It's a bad penalty. Pickford makes the save. Advantage England. Score your penalties, and you'll be European champions. Benucci steps up. Little stutter step, John Aldridge style, lifts the ball over Pickford's dive. It's 2-2, but it's still advantage England because they're yet to take their third. When the whistle blew and Marcus Rashford stood, I knew he was missing. And I know it sounds easy to say in hindsight, but I knew he was missing. You could tell he had no confidence. He hadn't been on the pitch long enough. He's barely played in the tournament. He does that bizarre, convoluted penalty. Pogba does the same one. Round and round, and then the little slow run and the stutter steps. and Sends the keeper the wrong way. It's almost perfect execution. There's no confidence in how he strikes the ball. He's lucky it hit the post. Because it could have gone four yards wide. He struck it that badly. Now it's even Steven. Now it's 2-2. Both teams have taken three. Now it's a matter of bottle. Bernadeschke steps up. Brilliant penalty. Straight down the middle. Pickford goes one way. He doesn't care. 3-2 to Italy. And Sancho's up next. Again, he hasn't played a whole bunch in the competition. Again, he's ice cold coming off the bench. I don't know that I've ever seen Jaden Sancho take a penalty. I know I've seen Rashford take them. I missed Maguire's penalty. I should point out, Harry Maguire's penalty is the best penalty of the day. Maybe the best of the tournament. Absolutely wellied into the top corner. You could put five goalkeepers in there. They're not saved. Now, credit to Harry Maguire. He had a good tournament, a good game, and his penalty was great. Anyway, back to Sancho. I don't know I've ever seen him take a penalty. And judging by the run-up, the approach, I don't know how many he's taken, but it's not many. It's a poor penalty. It's a very easy save for Donnarumma. And it's advantage Italy. It's 3-2, four penalties taken. And they're up next. If Jorginho scores, the one guy among the ten that you really would have bet your life on. Because Kane missed against Denmark, remember, in the game. Scores the rebound, but misses his penalty. And has had a bad game. So you could have some doubt over him. Jorginho's had a great game. And he's a great penalty taker. You'd back him to score. Now this one's a fantastic save by Pickford. He holds his nerve. He waits and he waits. And unfortunately for Jorginho... He and Bruno Fernandes both do that little hop. And the problem is, if the keeper doesn't commit, it's very hard to generate real power. And Pickford holds his nerve and waits and then dives for the ball rather than before the ball. Taps it onto the post, manages to gather the rebound, the rebound before it hits him and goes in. Still 3-2 to, to Italy. But England now have a chance. Now they have a chance. But all the pressure falls to Bukayo Saka. A 19-year-old who hadn't played particularly well when he came on. He wasn't really involved in the game. Came on to play on the wing. Ended up on the other wing. Then, the, then ended up in a midfield three. 
Saka steps up. And with the weight of the nation on his shoulders. Now, credit to him. Let's, let's before we talk about it, let's, let's stop for a second. Credit to this young man. 19 years of age. Stepping up to take the fifth penalty in the biggest game of his life. While others are hiding. And I thought Roy Keane was right with what he said. You want players that will step forward. Now, he named Grealish and Sterling. Grealish has come out and said he offered to take a penalty. He wanted to take one. Obviously not enough. Obviously not enough. You should have been forcing that issue. There's no way a 19-year-old, the youngest player in the squad, should be on that last penalty. No way at all that a 19-year-old should be on that penalty. Now, maybe Grealish was sixth and Sterling was seventh. Maybe. But they're the easy penalties to put your name down for. Because more often than not, it doesn't get to you. Like I said... Supposed leaders were gone off, happy to go off, happy not to be involved in penalties. Happy to stand on the sideline and watch, but a 19-year-old steps forward. And Saka missed. It's not a great penalty. A little bit hesitant in his run-up. Doesn't strike the ball as cleanly as he'd want. Donnarumma saves it. It's over. Italy win. Italy deserved to win. Italy were the best team from the first game of the tournament until the last game of the tournament. They outplayed England comprehensively in this game. 66% possession. Now, bear in mind, England had the majority of the ball for the first 15 to 18 minutes. So bear in mind, they had nothing of the ball after that. Italy had 19 shots in the game. England had six. Italy had six shots on target. England had two. They scored from one of them. I don't think the other one was really a shot on target either. I think Buffon caught a cross. Um, England were awful. Genuinely, genuinely awful. They showed no interest in playing football. But the Italians did. And the Italians got what they deserved. They get to lift the trophy. Those two boys at centre-back... Leonardo Bonucci and Giorgio Cialini, who've been together for over a decade at Juventus, who've been through heartbreak of losing Champions League finals. Finally, now, they get what they deserved. They get their big trophy. Especially good for Cialini, who would have been in the Italian squad in 2006, except he moved to Juventus a year early and didn't establish himself as a starter straight away. Lost his place in the Italian squad. They've got 221 caps, I think, between them. Bonucci's goal last night evened it up at eight apiece for them. They've been there and they've done absolutely everything together. They've been one of the best centre-back pairings I've ever seen. They're absolutely the best pairing that the game has had over the last 10, 12 years, be it as part of the three with Barzagli or as the duo by themselves. Cellini turns 37 soon. I don't know if he'll play again for Italy. I don't know if he'll carry on to the World Cup. Based on what we saw in this tournament, he absolutely can. He doesn't look like a fellow who's about to turn 37. Benucci is 33, 34. Again, he's... You know, he's got to be coming close to the end at international level. But they were just flawless through the tournament. Absolutely flawless. The best pairing and the best individual centre-backs in the tournament. Now, England deserve a lot of credit. They got to a final. That's a huge step forward. Something they hadn't done since 66. At times, they showed they were capable of good football, just not often enough. The first, like I said, 15 to 18 minutes of this final, they were really, really good. 
And if they could have stayed playing like that, it probably ends up with a different scoreline. They probably win the game in normal time. But Southgate just crawled back into himself. Got scared. England don't know how to win, is the problem. They don't know how to win tournaments. They don't know how to win games. Anyone can win a game. England don't know how to win tournaments. And when you see a manager wait until the 120th minute to bring on Sancho and Rashford and then put a 19-year-old on the fifth spot kick, you really do have to question what he's thinking. Southgate's done far more good than bad, obviously, with England. But in big pressure games, this is what England do. World Cup semi-final against Croatia. They go ahead. They crawl back into their shell. They get dominated, outplayed, and they lose. They didn't lose this game in regulation time. They didn't lose it in extra time. But they should never have allowed it to get that far. They didn't want to win this game. Not enough. They wouldn't have played like that if they did. That defeat is on Southgate. And it's on a lack of leadership within the group. And Maguire came out, or not Maguire, Kane came out after the game. He gave an interview full of cliche. You don't imagine. I'm sure he's a nice guy. He doesn't strike me as a leader. Maguire is probably the best leader in the squad in terms of what he does on the pitch and how he speaks. But again, it's a lot of cliches and empty empty vessel stuff. Some England players can really, really be proud of their tournament. I think Maguire's had a very good tournament. Stones had a good tournament. Shaw had an excellent tournament. Pickford, credit to him. Very, very good tournament. Apparently, Jordan Henderson did the team talk in the extra time huddle. You'd wonder where the manager was. Also don't know what you're getting from that. Um, Calvin Phillips had a brilliant European Championships. Absolutely brilliant. One of the best midfielders in the competition. Rice had some good games, some bad games. I thought Mount was largely poor. Sterling was brilliant up until the final. And Kane was largely poor. Kane scored some goals, but he was largely poor. England have questions to answer internally and externally, which they'll have to address over the next few weeks. Um, Southgate, I assume, will stay on. I, I can't see that they'll make a change there. But I think he needs to have a real look at what the direction of this team is going to be. What he wants this team to be. They can't just remain as this. This is... Well, getting to a final is obviously an improvement and getting to a semi-final, this isn't an improvement on their World Cup because, again, they had an easy path. They lost to the first really good team they played. It's a shame for England. They'll never have had a better chance to win a tournament. Football was, was coming home. Nope. It's on its way to Rome. It's on its way to Rome. And the Italians fully deserve it. Mancini deserves huge credit. Their players deserve huge credit. How they've turned things around after missing out on the last World Cup. And they've done it the hard way. They had a tougher group. They had a tougher run. Austria, Belgium, Spain. That's a tough run. And then England in the final. They've done it the right way. They've done it the hard way and credit to them. And I couldn't be happier for Cialini and Bonucci. As I said, one of the best pairings I've ever seen. And they just both come across as really likable fellas. Um, Gigi Donnarumma was named player of the tournament. I thought it was a bit of a strange one. I'm assuming 
that his heroics in the penalty shootout obviously played a factor. I think Jorginho missing his penalty was a factor. I would have given it to Jorginho. I thought he was, from the start of the tournament onwards, I thought he was incredible. Um, Verratti, if he hadn't missed the first two games, it would have been him. Pedri was named young player of the tournament, obviously played very, very impressive stuff for for Spain. Uh, I still don't think he should have started. I still think Thiago Alcantara should have started. But Pedri has been tremendous. Absolutely tremendous. He's a wonderful player. Cristiano Ronaldo wins the golden boot uh, on a nonsense because he got one assist. Um, it should have been based on goals and play. So Patrick Schick is the real winner of the uh, of the golden boot. Goals from play is what it should be based on. Um, team of the tournament hasn't been announced yet, so I'm going to pick mine. Going into the final, I, I was leaning Pickford, but what Donnarumma did in the final, I think you have to you have to go with him. Um, going to play a back five because I think there's five. Well, it's back three wing backs because I think there's five defenders who deserve inclusion. Um, Joachim Mal. Now, I know he played in the left, but I'm going to play him on the right. I thought he was excellent for Denmark. Absolutely excellent. And Atalanta have a hell of a player on their hands. Him and Gosens is going to be a, a problem for teams next season. On the left, Spinozola. His injury is terrific, but he took part in celebrations last night. And nothing, was going to, nothing was going to dissuade him from taking part. He was excellent. And I'm not a huge fan. I think he's pretty average for... Roma, but he has been in this tournament. He has been brilliant. I've gone with a back three. Now, I've cheated here a little bit because Luke Shaw, I'm putting on the left of the back three just to have him in the team because he deserves it. I was going back and forth between Shaw and Spinozola for left back, and I just thought, you know what, I'll put both of them in because they both deserve to be in. They have been two of the 11 best players at this tournament. Shaw has worked that left flank tirelessly, be it from a back four or as a wing back. He's delivered quality set pieces. He's got a couple of assists. He got his goal in the final. He dealt with Italy's most dangerous attacker. He had some struggles, but he dealt with them. I think Luke Shaw deserves to be in this team. The other two members of the back three are obvious. It's Benucci and it's Cialini. They are sensational They are legends of the game and they deserve every bit of praise. They deserve every drink that they have over the next month. I hope they get absolutely rubbered and fall around the place with that that trophy. I don't think anyone else is getting to take that trophy home. I don't think the Italian FA are getting it back. I think Benucci and Cialini, I'm guessing they probably live next door to each other. That's my guess. They're so close. They probably live next door to each other. I reckon they build a shared extension that joins the houses and they just use it to store the trophy so they can both have access to it. Um, I've gone with kind of two and a half in midfield. Jorginho has to be in, has to be in. Just brilliant. Start to finish. And Verratti. It's just, he is an incredible footballer. He is absolutely incredible. Um, I've gone with Pedri as well. Third midfielder slash third attacker. Uh, And the two attackers I'm going to pick are Federico Chiesa, who didn't start the tournament, but came into the team for the third game against Wales. And from there has just been brilliant. And Raheem Sterling, who for me, if he'd had a better final, he didn't even need to win the final. He just needed to play a little bit better. I think he could have been player of the tournament. I think he was just phenomenal. Carried England. Carried them through the groups. Carried them past Germany. And when the game got tough against Denmark, it was Raheem Sterling that stepped up and and won it for England. So he won the penalty. He was the one that took the game by the scruff of the neck. Raheem Sterling deserves all the respect. Now. Just quickly to focus on England's fans. So obviously we've all seen the footage of the fans making a show of themselves in different parts of the country, whatever. Too much alcohol. I'd put that more on the people serving them than the fans themselves. 
In terms of the fans that stormed the stadium, there was obviously an awful lot of people in that stadium last night with no tickets. There was an awful lot. We saw multiple journalists reporting this, that families who did have tickets were begging with um, stewards to either get them out of the stadium because they didn't feel safe or help them get their seats back because people had stolen them. We saw hundreds and hundreds of people sitting in the aisleways and nobody did anything to stop this. Gary Lineker laughed it off because Gary Lineker is just like that. He's a little bit shameful. But on the flip side, look, no one got hurt. And I know that's not the right approach to take, but no one got hurt. And it's maybe the, the only chance some people will have to see England in a major final live. So I can kind of understand the fans' desperation to get in. But at the same time, you, you have to show a little bit more respect. You have to be a little bit more humane towards the people trying to do a job. It's it's a difficult one. Where I draw the line is what I've seen on Twitter and Instagram towards, in particular, Bikai Osaka but also towards Sancho and Rashford. Now, Rashford may have been exhausted from carrying the British government through the pandemic. Um, notable to me that you know many of the people sending him racial abuse, they're probably the people whose kids he helped feed. Sancho, he's a, he's a kid, he's a young man. Just let the boys grow up. They're, they're all kids, Rashford, Sancho and Saka. They're kids, let them grow up. Saka, I feel particularly sad for because he missed the third penalty. Um, that's always the one that gets remembered. But at least he didn't miss alone. At least there's three of them. So they can get together and bond and talk about it. We saw the players rally around them well at the end, which I thought was very good to see. They weren't left sort of standing off by themselves, as, as sometimes you see. People send racial abuse to football, or people send racial abuse to anybody out of scum of the earth. To send it to somebody because he missed a kick and missed a penalty kick in a football match is a disgrace. You should be ashamed of yourself. And the people that run Instagram and Twitter, they should be ashamed of themselves as well because they allow this. They allow this behavior. The people that run Twitter, I mean, I saw somebody. Fidzy, people will know Fidzy got suspended off Twitter for telling a person being racist that he'd punch him in the face if he saw him. Fidzy got suspended, the fella being racist did not. Baffling stuff. Twitter's a cesspool. Instagram's not much better by the sense of things. Congrats to Italy. A well-deserved European Championship. Your first since 1968. Makes up for the three finals you've lost or the two finals you've lost rather 2000 and 2012 uh, and for England you just need to regroup and, and not be so cowardly in the, the next time you get to a final simple as that Mr Southgate don't be a coward, trust your players you've got the talent you've got all the talent, Eng England had one of the best squads in this tournament but Southgate cost them at the end of the day. It comes down to the manager making decisions to play a negative brand of football. And even watching the Irish commentary with Ronnie Whelan, who could not be more biased towards England, even he, over the course of the game, turned against them because of how poor and how negative they were. Do better. We'll jump quickly to South America before we take our break. Argentina won, Brazil nil. Messi's wait for an international tournament victory is over. Argentina's wait for a Copa America is over. For the first time since 93, Argentina can call themselves champions. Messi can call himself a champion at the international level. It is the last thing he had to tick off. He has done it all now. He hasn't won a World Cup. I don't think this Argentine team will win a World Cup. But fantastic. Well-deserved. I thought 
they got their early goal to Di Maria on 22, and they should have scored two others. Um, I thought Rodrigo de Paul had a good opportunity that he spurned, and Messi went through 1v1, set up by de Paul, and fell over. The pitch was one of the worst things I've ever seen. It was just shocking how poor that pitch was. Uh, Christian Romero came back into the Argentine team and was unbelievable for 80 minutes, highlighting the fact that Juventus, who will be looking for a replacement for Cialini in the next couple of years, they have their Bonucci replacement in the Ligt. It's a Cialini replacement that they need. Uh, Christian Romero would have been perfect, and instead they've given him to Atalanta for $20 million. Um, Baffling me, poor run club Juventus these days. Great to see... Di Maria scored a goal. Brilliant goal. Good pass from DePaul. Great first touch. Brilliant finish. Question marks maybe over Ederson. Thought he could have done a little bit better. Um, but nice for the Di Maria, Messi and Aguero. 3-0. Aguero didn't get on, but he was part of the squad. Could finally get some success at international level. I thought Argentina played... Argentina played the game England should have played. They went ahead... They got into their shape, but they kept playing. They kept attacking. They kept trying to add more goals. England didn't do any of that. Um, really don't know what to say about Brazil. The fact that Richarlison and Everton are starting tells me that this is not a Brazil team that's going to win a whole much of anything. Um, Ederson over Allison is just a ridiculous decision. Uh, and... Not surprising that Thiago Silva, miles out of position for the goal, uh, couldn't get back to help out his fullback. Time to move on from Thiago Silva. You have other centre-back options. Edder Militao would have gotten back. He would have had the pace to get back. Um, delighted for the Argies. Really, really happy. Uh, Messi voted player of the tournament. He's also joined top scorer along with Luis Diaz of Colombia. He looks a fascinating player. He might be one to keep an eye at. Plays for Porto. Uh, they signed him two years ago for about €7 million. Euro. And in his first season, he scored 14 goals in 50 games. Last season, 8 and 30. Had some injuries. But really, really good in this tournament. Four goals. And credit to him, most of them were spectacular goals. Doesn't seem to do tap-ins. I think he's someone that teams might have a look at next summer if he has another good year with Porto. Um, I'm thrilled for Argentina. I really am. I, I've always the soft spot for them. Probably the Maradona thing, but and the Redondo thing, obviously. And the Zanetti thing. But, um, yeah, I, I thought they, they totally deserved to win the final. Didn't watch a whole bunch of the tournament, watch the highlights, but Watch the final, thought Argentina were tremendous. Uh, apologies if you listened to me on Friday and you heard me say that the final was Sunday night, it was Saturday night. I don't know why I got mixed up. Um, so I watched that and then watched McGregor get his leg broken. Um, yeah, delighted for Italy, delighted for Argentina. There's something nice that the two of them have both won it. I always kind of link them. I don't know why. I always look at Argentina as like the Italy of South America. I don't know why that is. I think that might be something I've made up in my head that doesn't really exist, but it's just something I imagine that there is a real link between the two countries. Um, yeah, thrilled for both. Delighted that Brazil lost. Frankly, delighted that they lost. And um, like I said, England beat themselves. Carried us in the final. We'll take a break. When we come back, we've got some gossip to wrap through. Right, welcome back. We have a couple of days worth of gossip to get through, so we'll start off with Sundays. Manchester United are eyeing a move for Giovanni Di Lorenzo after the European Championship final. Um, I, I doubt it. I doubt it. I think that's probably his agent trying to get him a new contract. Chelsea boss Thomas Tuchel wants club chiefs to make an immediate move to sign Norwegian striker Erling Haaland from Borussia Dortmund, but the German club are still planning to have him at the Westfalen Stadion next season as they're demanding €175 million Euro or £150 million for him this summer. I think that's absolutely fair. 
Manchester United, Manchester United are not working on a player swap deal to bring Harry Kane to Old Trafford. I don't know why you'd write the story if they're not working on it. Um, Barcelona and Atletico Madrid are considering a swap deal involving Antoine Griezmann and Saul Niguez. No, they're not. They're just not. First of all, Barcelona can't afford to take on any more money. So if they get Griezmann out, they need just Griezmann out. They can't afford to take back any money. Their wage cap for next year, what's been put on them by um, La Liga, is lower than what Leicester's wage bill will be. They need loads of players gone. Griezmann, Coutinho, Pjanic, Umtiti, they need these guys gone and no money coming back in just to be able to sign Emerson, Depay and Aguero. They've also got the Messi contract to try and fit in. Now, rumours are he's taking a large pay cut. I'd imagine he makes it up in an image rights way or maybe a massive signing bonus or something like that, but Barcelona are a mess. Now, Atletico Madrid also aren't going to take back Griezmann because let's remember how Griezmann left the club in a very shady manner in which he informed Barcelona of confidential information in his contract that Barca otherwise would not have known about and Barcelona were able to pay a lower release fee for him. The Atletico chairman was livid and is still livid apparently. They're not taking him back, regardless of how much Diego Simeone likes him. They're not taking him back, and they're certainly not going to take him back on $30 million a year. So that's nonsense. There's only one team in for Saul at the moment. That's just the way it is. Uh, Chelsea have contacted Wren about Eduardo Camavinga, who is also wanted by Manchester United, Arsenal and Real Madrid, but is set to prefer, said to, prefer uh, to stay in France with Paris Saint-Germain. I think it's I think it's PSG or Real. I don't see he comes to England. Everton manager Rafael Benitez is keen to recruit a right-back with Toffees looking at Max Ahrens and Denzel Dumfries. I think they've got a better chance of Ahrens because I think Dumfries has said he wants to go to Italy and into Milan do need a right-wing back so if they can free up some money, I think they will end up with Dumfries. Ahrens would be a great fit for Everton, though. Benitez could, form, could turn to former club Newcastle to sign Alan St. Maximum if Richarlison leaves. I don't think Richarlison is going to leave because I don't think anyone will pay the money that Everton would want for him. Arsenal have completed the signing of Albert Sambi Lukonga in a deal worth 14.9 million plus add-ons. The deal will be announced after the 21-year-old completes a period of quarantine. That's by the spoofer. Now, to be clear, he hasn't had a medical yet, so they haven't completed anything. So that's just a spoof for trying to be ahead of the game. Nothing is completed. They may have agreed a fee, but the deal's not close to complete without his medical. Uh, Napoli will do all they can to sign Emerson Palmieri, who Luciano Spalletti has identified as his top target this summer. Spalletti managed Palmieri at Roma and probably got the best form of Palmieri's career out of him. Interesting last night that um, Italy had three Brazilians in their squad. Two started, Emerson and Jorginho, and Toloi is Brazilian as well. So, you know, it's nice to see. Uh, this is why Brexit was such a bad idea. You know, you could have had an Emerson or a Jorginho. You might want an Emerson, but you'd love a Jorginho. So, you know, congrats again on Brexit. Um, West Ham have moved into pole position to sign Tammy Abraham. I don't think they have. It's from Football Insider, so I'd imagine it's nonsense. Tottenham could make it difficult for Real Madrid to sign Jules Koundé from Sevilla, with Spurs willing to offer as much as £51 million for the 22-year-old, which would be beyond what the Spanish club could spend. If it's buy it's £80-plus million. They're not going to get him for £50 million. Spain midfielder Danny Ceballos has not ruled out playing in the Premier League again after his two-year loan stint with Arsenal, but is determined to break into the Real Madrid side. He's been as much chance of being a regular for Real as I do, uh, and he shouldn't come back to the Premier League because it didn't suit him at all. He needs to play for a mid-table Spanish team. Real Betis or somebody was... Real Betis was perfect from That's where he was. Then Valencia, one of those clubs that are mid-table for now. That's where he belongs. 
Uh, be a big fish in a small pond. It suits your mentality much better. Um, Ali Giroud is away off to AC Milan. We know that. Everton boss Rafa Benitez has asked clubs, the club's chiefs to pursue the signature of Clement Langley. Now, I reckon Barca would sell because um, they're so financially screwed. But I don't think Rafa would want Langley. He's not very good for starters. And he'd be quite expensive. Uh, Karim Benzema will stay at Real Madrid even if the Spanish club sign Kylian Mbappe. Well, they're not going to sign Mbappe this summer. I think we can be fairly sure on that. Maybe they will, but I doubt it. And it would make sense for him to stay and play with Mbappe because Mbappe doesn't play the same role as him. So why would it affect him in the slightest? Now, if they signed Haaland, that would affect that would affect Benzema. Um, Watford are keen to sign Denmark defender Striger Larsson from Udinese, who obviously has the same owners as the as Watford. Um, had a good Euros. He's a decent player. Italian champions... Oh, we're not going to read this one because it's from a nasty paper. Uh, Barcelona have agreed a deal to sell 23-year-old Spanish midfielder Carlos Elena to Getafe. As the Catalan club. Apparently he's gone for, for 5 million. 5 million for Carlos Lena. He's a very good player. Now there'll be buybacks and all that kind of thing. But Hitafe have done well there. Arsenal's efforts to sign Andre Onana have been dealt a blow. As the Cameroon International is set is said to prefer a move to Lyon over the Premier League side. Yeah. I, I mean I'm not surprised. I, I'd prefer a move to Lyon as well. Um... Sampdoria are considering making a record move for Ryan Christie. So this is the second Ryan Christie-related story to come out in the last few days. The first one was that Patrick Vieira wanted him at um, at Crystal Palace, that he was going to be Vieira's first signing. So, I mean, what this very clearly says to me is that his agent is putting these stories out. He's had a contract in a year. He's looking for a big deal. That's why these stories are coming out. I just can't see any other truth to that. Tottenham are confident they can offload Cameron Carter-Vickles despite doubling their asking price to five million. Both Newcastle and Celtic are interested in the USA international. He's a decent defender. I don't think he's become the defender people expected him to be. Um, he's he's decent. He's decent. I think they'll get. They might get three million with five in add-ons or something, you know, rising to five with add-ons. Uh, I don't know if they'll get straight five, but they'll get a decent fee from. Uh, Rafa Benitez has encouraged Everton's club, club chiefs to sign Kalidou Koulibaly. Um, no, Napoli will be keen to offload Koulibaly. They won't. As well as Fabio Ruiz, as they try to reduce their wage bill, they won't be keen to offload good players. It's as simple as that. Uh, Lionel Messi will sign a new two-year contract. Yeah, we we know that that's that's been coming. Um, Manchester City's Gabriel Jesus remains Juventus's top target as they look to bolster attack, but bringing back Moise Keane remains an option. Yeah, they should bring back Keane. Why would you sign Gabby Jesus? Bring back Moise Keane. He's been at the club before. He's Italy's great hope up front. Um, he's still only 21, which is crazy. But, I mean, he was at Juventus for nine years. So, bring him back. Give him an opportunity. A potential long-term front three of Kulisevsky, Keane and Chiesa is a fairly terrifying prospect. Um, Arsenal have begun negotiations about the signing of Ruben Neves I don't think they have been honest I really don't think they have Neves and Partey would be an interesting midfield though Barcelona are interested in Lille midfielder Ronaldo Sanchez but the club cannot consider signing him because of the financial situation See, this this is what you call bad journalism. You just made that story up and then you've couched it to show why it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Simple as that. 
Real Madrid have joined a number of clubs linked with uh, Mikel Sa- uh, Damsgaard, but Sam Dury want to keep him for another season. I think they'd be smart to sell him now. His value won't be higher. Even if he has a good season, I don't think it'll be higher than it is now. Uh, Cellini will sign a new one-year deal with Juventus uh, next week. Sunderland almost signed Cialini when the Black Cats were managed by Roy Keane. With the Wearside Club's former chief scout Mick Brown saying a fee of eight million had been agreed for the then twenty-eight-year-old, I need to read that story. That that sounds tremendous. Um, two thousand and eight. He was a regular starter for Juve at the time. So, I mean, Juve were a bit of a mess because they got relegated after Calcio Poli. They came back up. They had an aging team. They finished mid-table a bunch of years until Conte got there. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's definitely possible. Um Championship side Bournemouth have rejected a thirteen million pound bid from Villarreal for Dutch winger Arnett Denjuma. He's he's talented. He'll get a move this summer if they're willing to let him go. Bayern Munich manager Julian Nagelsmann had played down a move for Federico Chiesa, who was on loan at Juventus from Fiorentina last season, saying he's good but expensive. He's not really on loan. It's loan with an obligation to buy. They will buy him. They can buy him this summer or next summer. They probably don't have the money to do it this summer, but they'll do it next summer. Uh, I do think you could probably buy him out of the loan. You could probably pay Juventus to go away, Um, but it would be complicated and messy. Cologne's German under-21 forward Ishmael Jacobs is set to join Monaco, having previously been linked with Leicester and Brighton. Yeah, Brighton seemed keen on him. Andrea Bellotti will decide whether or not to renew his contract with Torino soon. Roma are the favourites to sign him. Mourinho has been a long-time fan. He tried to bring him to United, and I think he tried to sign him for... I think he wanted him at Spurs, or Spurs were definitely linked with him anyway. And finally, Swansea and Middlesbrough have been linked with 28-year-old Senegal striker Famara Didieu, who left Bristol City at the end of his contract in the summer. Um, great. Glad he has options. Go to Borough. Go to Borough. You can live with Guy. Be fine. You can play Xbox all night. And- Guy will look after you. He'll show you the ropes of what it is to live in the North. Um, That's it. That is our show for today. Thank you, as always, for listening. Thank you to Mr. Guy Drinkle. Thank you to the Italian national team. Take care of yourselves.
Podcast Network.